Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asian stocks are down along with crude oil amid concerns about more curbs to tackle the Omicron virus variant and tightening monetary policy as well as a setback for President Joe Biden's economic agenda. Equities dropped in Japan, Australia and South Korea. Bond yields slid and gold edged higher as investors sought havens. The dollar was steady. These final weeks of 2021 could be challenging for investors who were hoping for a quiet and positive end to the year. The market was gripped by intense volatility in the past week. Some of that could spill in the coming week as investors continue to weigh the Fed Reserve's plan to raise interest rates and the spread of the Omicron COVID variant. There are some economic reports to watch, including consumer confidence and PCE inflation data, but strategists say there might be a positive surprise from China. The economic superpower may be bucking the trend of tightening monetary policy. Here's a recap of of the U.S. markets, the Dow dropped over 500 points or 1.5% last Friday. The S&P 500 fell 1% for a second down day. And the tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite ended the session less than 0.1% lower, trimming losses of as much as 1.5%. Lots to get through this morning and to help me out is our very own Ryan Huang. Good morning, Ryan. Morning, Andrea. What are you doing here today? (laughs) Sorry, if you did not hear his voice, it was my fault. I'm new to the panel. I'm Andrea Hing. I'm sitting in for Michelle. She's away. Off off and away for her holiday season. She is until January. She's going to be here. To the end of the year. You're stuck with me till the end of the year. All that's right. right. Let's keep going. So, what's on your radar today? Uh, lots to get through. Let's talk about the first headline. Uh, that's the energy markets. That one caught my eye yesterday as I was catching up on the news. Uh, China's uh, discovery of its first imported Omicron case in a third city, this time in Hainan province. But before we get into that, here's another headline that Bloomberg says we need to watch, and mm. that's the energy market. Uh, energy prices are expected to break new records this winter in the Northern Hemisphere and apparently the weather is to blame. Can you tell us more, Ryan? What could cause the prices to surge? Yeah, let's break it down. So we are heading towards Christmas and of course we expect uh, during these times a colder environment, weather and that is when you need more heating and mm. that comes with a spike typically with energy usage. So higher demand typically means higher prices. So that is what we are bracing for, for energy markets at least. So what's going to be in focus is how cold exactly it will get. So of course, if it gets colder than expected, we could see prices go up more than what we were bracing for. So that's going to be in focus in the coming weeks. Right. So what kind of impact would this have? Plus, we have Omicron as well. What's going mm. what to, what's, what, what impact is going to, is this going to have on the European economies? Yeah, so that's going to be worth watching, right? You pointed out a couple of issues there. It's not just um, the weather, but also the supply chains as well, where you have some issues in some places, trucks not available, truckers not mm. available, shipping the oil trucks to the petrol kiosks for example Mm -hmm. and you also right now in places like France and Germany already seeing prices at record highs so that is going to be something to watch out for and if you look at some of the issues as well on the table unexpected nuclear outages in France 
low stockpiles across Europe and also the geopolitics around Russia because they control a lot of the gas supplies to many parts of Europe and there's a lot going on in terms of the Nord Storm 2 pipeline um, debate or controversy right now. So that is all a lot to watch out for in terms of what might happen for price swings in the energy market. Yeah, not going to be a very peaceful winter, I have to say, in Europe. But you mentioned prices are already at record highs in France and Germany. Just how much higher can they go? That is a good question right now, right? It's already at record highs. And if you look at where we are, for example, for the French January contracts, it's now trading around $590. That is already more than double what we had in November. And almost the same picture we have for Germany now at 377.5. That is almost double what we had in November as well. So depending on how the weather pans out, it could just go up higher. And this is going to see a lot of um, attention on uh, whether the infrastructure as well can hold up because um, we are seeing a lot of pressure on what's happening right now. Yeah, it's a double whammy for Europe. You've got the widespread Omicron variant and the uh, cold snap threatening uh, prices of the energy uh, resources as well. Speaking of energy, Australia has revised up its forecast for resources and energy export revenue. And this is on the back of strong coal and liquefied natural gas prices. And this is even as the world tries to wean itself off heavy polluting fossil fuels. Uh, this is interesting to me. And in, in the meantime, demand for mm. copper and nickel which are key inputs in the clean energy transition. You learn something new every day. Uh, this is boosting the outlook for base metals earning. First of all, how would Australia juggle rising prices of both fossil fuels and the raw materials that's needed for clean energy? Yeah, that's a good question. So you've got the numbers first. The exports for these energy-related commodities, coal and LNG and so on, uh, that's expected to see exports hit a record 271 US dollars in the year ending June 30th next year. So that's going to be um, revised upwards by 9% from the estimates just two months ago. So mm. that's a reflection of how much of a jump in demand there has been with the back of um, what we've been seeing, the colder weather, the supply chain issues. So prices in line are expected to go up with demand. So that's expected to stay elevated. And Australia says it is going to be supported by ongoing shortages and strong demand. And if you look at the demand for copper and nickel, that is also going up as we see a lot of the economies slowly recovering. So that is essential for a lot of the construction activities as well. So as the global recovery continues to take hold, we can expect the demand for these commodities to also pick up. And of course, that comes with the supply chain uh, issues as well, still um, not fully resolved. So that will play a part as well as supporting the prices. And we talk about the net zero emissions target for Australia. It's a tricky one because mm. Australia is a huge exporter of coal and gas, which are not what the uh, transition requires, which is cleaner energy. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Where we are looking at renewables. So as, you know, as it goes, it's going to be a tough balance between keeping jobs, the economy going on and, and to transition to this newer environment of cleaner energy will take some time. So there's going to be a long 
transition period where Australia is still going to be supplying coal as the rest of the world tries to make its painful journey towards weaning itself off because it involves jobs, it involves infrastructure and you just can't switch things overnight. Yeah, painful is the right word. I mean, to have to juggle two major markets during this transition and then trying to keep jobs and all that, it's going to be quite a struggle for Australia. Let's move on to China. This first story that I mentioned, the Omicron variant has landed in China. It has landed uh, for quite some time now. This time, there were two cases detected in Hainan province, and this is after Guangdong and Tianjin reported cases earlier this month. December not looking like a very good month for the world, I have to say. Uh, local health authorities there in China said the infected people never left closed-loop quarantine controls. So, Ryan, is China's zero-COVID strategy even still viable? Well, if you ask them, they will say yes, because they've been sticking to their <laughs> guns for a long time. It really bucks the trend with what's happening elsewhere in the world. And it's going to be a tough one because uh, if they continue to go on with this strategy and if it doesn't improve, we could be in for a slower economic backdrop in China. Of course, that will mean um, repercussions for the rest of the world because you could see slower demand for other stuff. And for example, it takes in a lot of coal from Australia and a lot of commodities as well. So if they require less, it's going to have an impact on Australia. And that is you know, something to watch out for, the knock-on impacts of slower growth in China to a certain extent. We've already seen that play out with the just uh, around the property market. Mm. Uh, and the property market, constitutes around 25% of the Chinese economy. When that slows down, it has an impact on many jobs and many uh, adjacent industries as well. So that is something they have to manage as well. And you talk about the new cases of Omicron. I guess the good news is for now, the effects or the symptoms have not been as bad as what people have been bracing for. But who knows how the COVID-19 variants will pan out. We might get more down the road or this could improve. So it's going to be anyone's guess how this um, um, unfolds in 2022. Yeah, I find it interesting that China is sticking with their zero COVID strategy when most of the world is or has already abandoned that strategy as we move into 2022. Even during Delta, we were, Singapore was already doing that. Uh, on that note, how would this change the game for the upcoming Beijing Olympics? That's 50 days away, not very far. How, do, how is this going to change the whole landscape? for the games. It is going to be quite dicey, right? 50 days or less than 50 days away and you have already a lot of countries um, just raising some concerns about the um, type of management measures in place and zero COVID is very different from being endemic or just living with it, right? So that is um, something they have to also manage on the PR front. How do you convince other countries coming to China that it's safe enough for them to come. And you also have right now some interesting reports showing that Chinese vaccine shots given to the vast majority of their population don't provide sufficient antibodies against Omicron. So you've got a lot going against it. So maybe as we head closer to the Winter Olympics, we might get some good news and maybe 
a change of tone from China even on how it might implement new measures to make more countries comfortable with the Winter Olympics. This is kind of like deja vu to me. We, just months ago, we were talking about this exact same situation when it came to the Tokyo Olympics and we were discussing mm. how China's strategy differed from uh, Japan and, and that went ahead and there was a lot of mess uh, to deal with in terms of you know the organisers going back and forth about whether to go ahead with the Games or not. Uh, so that's certainly something to watch out for in Beijing. Uh, our final story right now is uh, YouTube. It's reached a deal with Disney. Disney uh, to distribute all Disney-owned channels on its platform. And this mm. is just two days after talks broke down and led to a blackout. That's really interesting. So really quickly, Brian, uh, what's going on here? Well, if you watch a lot of YouTube like me, you might want to take notice of this because um, in some places elsewhere, um, you can actually watch Disney channels on Google's internet TV, uh, TV streaming service, where you get channels like ESPN, Disney, FX, and other Disney-owned properties. So the contention here is they earlier could not reach an agreement for the Disney channels to be carried on these YouTube streaming service channels. So that just put a spanner in the works for what Google could offer as a package. And in turn, they said they would lower the price of YouTube TV by $15 to $49.99 per month. Oof. But good news is somehow they managed to reach a deal. And right now, you can, in some places, catch Disney um, channels and movies and cartoons on YouTube TV. So it's back to status quo again. YouTube TV says it will be bringing back the cost to sixty four ninety nine per month. So it is a bit of a back and forth. I guess it's all part of the cost when you try to negotiate for these rights. Mm, absolutely. A lot, of, um, a lot of back and forth. And also, I think um, the details of that deal would not quite disclose, uh, but uh, we'll, keep a, we'll keep an eye on that for you. Uh, let's now turn to the markets. Uh, give us a bird's eye view, Ryan, of what's going on the, in the markets mm. this morning. Okay, right front and centre is, of course, the Omicron variant and how that could weigh on expectations of growth ahead. And also making the headlines is Joe Biden's um, BBB or Build Back better policy for the US that nearly $2 trillion stimulus program now on the ropes because a key Senate Democrat has rejected it. And this is Joe Manchin. And this is a bit of a surprise because many people were expecting him to be on board because the White House took a lot of trouble to try to appease him. Uh, he's been complaining that the price tag of it has been too high. And now he says no, it's still too high because of the, what he calls, in a way, creative accounting. So how he claims the price tag was brought down was by cutting some of the programs in terms of time length. Like, for example, some child assistance programs would be just running for one to two years. Mm. But it would not be um, practical to just keep them for one to two years. Right. It was cut down from 10 years. And that is what he wants, a 10-year program. But if you cut it down and then reinstate it later, the price tag goes back to, the, to where it was, square one. So you're still looking at the same price tag, but on paper, it just looks cheaper. So he's not happy with that. And he has said he will reject it. And it now means in that very tight 50-50 Senate um, composition, it is not likely to pass. And it's going to be a big dent to a couple of things like the wider growth picture because this was meant to help the infrastructure um, 
improve as well. And you've got the EV space because this was meant to tackle climate change. And there were, there were a lot of regulatory changes and tax credits for the EV space. So the likes of Tesla, for example, could see some pressure as we see um, the days ahead for Wall Street. And also, if you look at what's coming up in the next hour, we have a interest rate policy setting decision by China. Mm. Uh, that will be one to watch because of the backdrop of what's happening in the economic picture for China, where we've seen a lot of jitters from the property sector, as well as the wider uh, supply, supply chain issues. And since April 2020, China has not cut its interest rate, but you've got calls for more easing going on with the um, economic expansion weigh, being weighed down by all these issues. So that's another issue to watch. And of course, um, looking at where we are for Singapore markets, it was a down week last week, down 0.8%. So we'll see with all the jitters right now, whether that can well, see a bit of a Santa Claus rally in the coming days. <laughs> a lot of uh, macro uh, news to look out on that front. Uh, yes, I'm wondering if uh, Santa Claus rally is still going to be in the on the cards, really, uh, given the number of uh, issues that the markets are facing at the moment, uh, especially in the two economic superpowers. Uh, let's take a look at the investors' radar. Uh, on that note, what do you think is are they going to be watching out for for the week ahead? Okay, so you've got something on the S Street's front to watch out for. If you look at the headlines coming through, um, that is um, S Street's generating 6% total returns in 2021. Uh, so that's going to be one to watch because REITs and the property market have been doing well. But at the same time, we've just seen those property cooling measures coming through. Mm. So that had a bit of a dent on property developers um, but um, to some extent it could see REITs under pressure we'll see if there's any spillover impact on um, the non-residential side of things so that's going to be one to watch and there will be a couple of earnings as well to watch out for if you look at the um, US space and this is from Nike so Nike expected to roll out its numbers and a lot of tension and focus will be on trends around demand and the supply chain progress in Vietnam where we've seen COVID just putting the brakes on some of the factory activities. People just can't go to work. So that's seen a bit of dent in production there affecting many of the apparel uh, retailers like Nike. So it's a bit of a mixed picture going into the earnings um, report tonight and also, with the backdrop of rising costs of labor, container shortages, and port congestions, all that could play a part in uh, Nike's report card. So that's one to watch on the investor front. Not forgetting inflation as well, how that's going to you know throw a spanner into the works for a lot of these companies. Um, speaking of companies, Kaiser says it has not repaid that 400 million US dollar bond. Uh, this story has been going round and round and round uh, together with Evergrande. What's going on here, Ryan? Yeah, the latest comes from a fouling. The developer has, of course, missed payments on multiple dollar bonds. And Kaiser Group has appointed now a financial advisor and is in talks with holders on a restructuring plan. So at least there's some clarity, but not great news still for investors who've been um, buying up 
Kaiser's bonds. And of course, Kaiser not the only one in hot soup these days in the property development space in China. Evergrande has also been missing payments. You've got Shimang Group as well that's been under pressure. Um, so you've got a lot of issues with the Chinese property space to watch out for. Right, so a lot of uh, a lot of developments, and I think it's almost like a never-ending development with this particular sector in China. Uh, let's take a look closer to home. We're about twenty-four minutes into the local trading day. How is the STI doing this morning, Ryan? Yeah, so. Of a negative cue from last Friday's action, it is extending those losses. It's down 0.6% at 3,094 points. And if you look at where we are on the STI, mostly red. Only two names in the green. And those two names are Hong Kong Land and Taibev up around 0.8%. Otherwise, it's down for the rest. Dairy Farm lower by 3.6%. Gunting down by 2.6%. Jardin Sucker and Carriage down by 2.1%. Um, worth noting, Singtel in the news is down by 1.3%. And this is after headlines of Singtel losing a landmark tax case in Australia. Mm. And also in the news is a company called MDR. And this is around... Um, Developments on two senior executives misappropriating over $2 million in company funds. So what happened was they found out two of them did not use the company funds properly. And instead of using the rebates for promotional activities, they used the funds for the unauthorized sale of handsets and phone accessories. And even um, more noteworthy is that SOPs or standard operating procedures were in place, but because of their senior positions, this allowed them to override some of the SOPs. And so far, MDR just released or lifted their trading halt this morning. It's down nearly 7% at 6.8 cents. So that's the picture for STI on Monday. Thank you very much, Ryan Huang, for that excellent roundup coming right up. Have you ever wondered how to navigate the world of ESG investing? There have been so many ESG investment products in recent years. How do we make sense of it all? Michelle Martin pits these very questions to Christopher Tan, CEO of Provident, and sheds some light on how to see through the greenwashing of ESG investing. That conversation's coming up just past 10 a.m. Stay with me right here on Your Money. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.